Oh, good. Well, thank you Great. so much for joining me. It's always a pleasure to chat with you because you are fabulous to learn from. And I know you've got some new courses out. We've also been talking about your book, Retrain Your Appetite, of course. But you have a really revolutionary approach to weight loss, and I love that. So do you mind just introducing us to you by talking to me about your your approach it's not about eat less move more it's much more instinctive yes it, it takes a it takes a rather different um well a, a rather different slant on the whole thing really because so many people know or or have, have got a lot of understanding and information about nutrition and what they should be eating or how they should be eating and really struggle to put that very sound advice into practice and so what retraining your appetite, appetite retraining is all about is being quite specific about where it is that you have trouble putting into practice what you know would be helpful to you. So it very much focuses in on the unhelpful eating habits that somebody has that, that is a, contributing not only to them perhaps weighing more than they want but but more almost more importantly to them feeling unhappy around food or um, out of control or unhappy with with um, that how they feel about themselves in relation to food so it's it's looking very specifically at what aspects of how you eat are keeping you where you don't want to be and that could be that you you can't stop eating a meal at the you know you overeat at the end of the meal or you give in to cravings or you find yourself with doing lots of emotional eating whatever it is so it's it's basically uh moving right away from the idea of of dieting in the sense of overhauling how you eat and instead thinking about what is specifically making you unhappy about how you eat Yes. Something that I noticed myself is that I, and you talk about this in your book, you talk about hunger being a good thing, whereas mm. I have always almost had a fear of hunger and I will almost eat in anticipation yes. of being hungry. Yes. So, yes. so I don't get hangry. <laughs> yes. Well, it's funny that because that's, that's very much how I was before I developed appetite retraining. I always found feeling hungry to be... Um, uncomfortable but a bit uh, to the point of feeling, feeling quite anxious about getting hungry and as I started to develop appetite retraining it was a real revelation to me that mild hunger well there's a lot of things about allowing yourself to get hungry that are benefits of getting hungry but it it is not only is it um, possible to discover how to manage that mild hunger but because of the way our bodies work and the way our appetite system works when we get a bit hungry and we don't immediately eat our body uses some stored energy which is fat um, and metabolizes a little bit of fat in order to keep us going and that switches the hunger signals off so for most of us as we get increasingly as we as we get towards feeling hungry if we are tempted to sort of slightly panic and just eat rather than allow ourselves to feel the hunger, we don't get the opportunity, as I hadn't given myself the opportunity for years, to discover that actually those signals come and go. They're not, they're not 
just in a intensifying in a really linear way I love that. And this relates to another of your key teachings about willpower and how actually that's a bit of a myth. It's not that we have no willpower and can't stick to a diet, but actually yeah. we're almost creating rules for ourselves that are just unrealistic. And Definitely. a bit more about the, the idea of willpower and that feeling of self-sabotage when I just go and eat something because I'm yeah. actually really hungry. Yes. Well, you, uh, in, uh, you just sort of said something really important there, which is that a lot of the reason that people struggle with what they might think is not having enough willpower on a particular diet is the diet might just be too demanding, too restrictive, and sort of impossible to keep up long term. So um, it may be that you're um, feeling as though you're lacking willpower because you can't do something impossible. It's like... You, you might not say, um, I haven't got the willpower to, to climb Mount Snowden or something. Um, you know, it would be a bit like thinking that, that, that you set yourself something that is just too big right now. Yeah. And trying to do it is just going to be um, too much. It's, it's going to uh, lead you to have an experience of, of not succeeding or, in other words, feeling that you failed. But there's another really important thing about willpower, which is that what research, psychological research suggests about willpower is that it's, it's not like a personality characteristics, pe characteristic. People tend to think that some people have got it and some people haven't, yeah. and that that allows the people who have to feel a little bit smug, maybe, to feel a little bit superior. But actually... It's not a stable personality characteristic at all. And you can see that very easily because the, some of the people who really struggle with resisting the urge to eat um, a lot of ice cream in the evening, for instance, maybe running a large corporation or caring, you know, round the clock for a relative or doing something that actually demands an awful lot of willpower. So it's, a, it's something that might be available to you in some circumstances and not in others. And the really interesting thing is that what depletes willpower is um, resisting temptations or impulses and making decisions. So if you, over the course of a day, what tends to happen is that you've got plenty of it in the morning. You can easily resist the biscuits in the morning. Um, but by the time it comes to the evening, that willpower energy is, is getting really depleted. So at that point, when you're faced with things that are now tempting and you're tired and your willpower energy is low, you're actually very likely to be finding that you're, you're doing the thing that's immediately gratifying rather than the thing that's more to do with your long-term goal. This is important to recognize, especially when it comes to our overall well-being, because what you're saying here is if you're going through the day making big decisions doing things that take a lot of pressure which you're being paid to do that's your job or you might be a leader and so on then having that cake at the end of the day it almost it's not a bad thing we're just yes. exhausted yes yes that's right that's right and i think it's it's um a pattern that a lot of people experience, I think, is that when they do have that, um, uh, whatever it is in the evening, the food or the drink or a mixture of the two in the evening, they, I think a lot of people that I talk to feel then very 
self-critical they then they then are quite hard on themselves and that that then just depletes things further it makes you know it then starts to um sort of eat eat away at your <laughs> self-confidence and your set you know your sense of um self-effectiveness or self-efficacy you run courses not just for people like myself who want to learn a little bit more about managing appetite and and, and the ways that we think about food but also for clinicians and practitioners mm. who are supporting their own clients and you have some courses coming up but you're taking what what's described as a kind and sustainable approach to weight loss and just talking about that criticism earlier this makes a lot of sense but those are not words we usually associate with weight loss no they're not that's deliberately in the title of my um course that uh, is a new course that i'm launching in january and it's open to anybody the uh, some of the courses i run are specifically for professionals health professionals and coaching and um uh, people who's who's working bowls helping people change how they eat but this new course in january is is called appetite retraining a kind and sustainable approach to weight loss and the reason uh, for emphasizing the kindness and the sustainability is first let's take the sustainable bit of this that so many of us so many people do actually lose a lot of weight over a period of time but their their weight on the scales may be the same now as it was a year ago because they've regained it and lost it regained it and lost it so such a common experience is of um short term being able to stick to a new regime or a new way of eating long term really not being able to do that and that's back to that point earlier about whether something is a manageable diet to be on but if you if you build in right from the start the the point that this has to be sustainable if you're going to keep the weight off your new ways of eating have got to be things that you can you can keep doing for years decades lifetime and actually if the focus is on pleasure in eating and eating in a way that that gives you all sorts of benefits like your food tastes better you have more energy you um achieve goals that actually really matter to you in life because weight loss is not really um it's not really the goal um even if it's become so it's really important to you it'll become important to you for some reason so you want to lose weight because you want to feel more confident around your friends or you want to lose weight because you want to be able to run around with your grandchildren or you want to lose weight because you want to um improve your blood sugar readings for your uh, overall health and well-being so um the sustainability is is absolutely key i think because it is so um all approaches to changing how you eat are hard they 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 take in the sense that they all take effort and they all take energy so my very strong feeling is that if you're going to put that effort and energy in you only want to do it once really you don't want to be on a a tread you know the treadmill of of doing it and then finding yourself feeling like you're slipping back and then uh putting more energy in and so on so the sustainability a lot of the sustainability 
the key things are to do with making manageable stepwise changes to how you eat, starting where you are now, which is different. If you think of a lot of diets, the first step on many diets is to clear out your cupboards in, and go shopping. In other words, to overhaul your eating. And that's massive. That's absolutely massive. To change the eating habits of a lifetime overnight is putting yourself under just about the maximum stress. You know, it's a maximally stressful thing to do, demanding thing to do. So instead, if you start where you are now, however muddled, however chaotic, however bad you feel your eating is, and identify very specifically which things, because there'll be, even, even if your eating feels like it's all over the shop, there'll be things about it that are fine. Like, for instance, maybe the time you have lunch may be fairly consistent, or the fact that you eat vegetables a couple of times a day, or whatever it is, there'll be things that are fine. So you, you just identify what isn't so fine and then work out how to tackle those ones at a time. And the kindness is, is related to this in a way, that the making these changes is, um, is, is as I say, it's effortful and it, it's demanding. Whether you, do, whether you go on a diet or whether you use appetite retraining, it takes effort and it takes focus. But if you approach it with self-compassion and if you need to you might need to learn that a bit if you're somebody who is quite hard on yourself but if you approach it with with um self-compassion and a degree of um kindness then the process is going to be very very different than if you approach it like right i'm an idiot um everyone else can do this everyone else knows how to eat well it's just me so i need to really crack the whip it's it's going to be an entirely different experience even if you succeed yes yes and that becomes difficult to keep up yes thing i I sort of experienced today and i thought about you actually (laughs) it's something i learned from you some time ago which is the later bites of food aren't as tasty as the first and Mm -hmm. i was thinking that when i was having it was an early lunch today and i got to the not to the end of it but I thought I'm not actually enjoying the rest of this so no. I'm going to put it away and with the cost of living things like that that that's a really little but significantly important shift to make it's massive yeah it's massive and it's such a it's such a great discovery that because it means that you you are getting the pleasure in the first part of the meal and you get more pleasure you particularly get um maximum pleasure if you start eating if you are if you are definitely hungry when you start eating that's that's the other side of that point and as exactly as you say as we as we eat mouthful by mouthful our taste sensitivity starts to reduce it's called um it's called sensory specific satiety or taste specific to satiety so if you if you are eating um, let's say you're eating, um, a, uh, let's, let's say for the sake of you're eating something that's like a pasta dish, for example. Um, and as you have successive mouthfuls, although the first few mouthful, first couple of mouthfuls were amazing, if you really tune in, it might not be tasting quite as good. But then, if somebody offers you, um, let's say, a dessert, you, your taste sensitivity to that food has not reduced, has not diminished. 
So there's, yeah. there's a lot in this. There's a lot about how the biology of the absinthe system we can use to our benefit, like what you've just described, Audrey, that if, if you're aware of the diminishing pleasure, the diminishing um, sensory experience, the diminishing taste, then it's much easier to put your foot down and think, right, I'll, I'll leave that. And the more you get used to that, the better you get at working out what size of meal gets you to that point. And then you can buy less. Yes, that makes so much sense because I know I have a lot of trouble regulating what I eat. I think habitually eating was a family thing and there's a lot of social norms around it. But with this, I've learned from you that I can get the pleasure out of it, the same pleasure, I'm not missing that. But I also know when to stop or when to literally save that little bit of room for something different like yes. dessert rather than stuffing yes. myself. Yes. Which is which which you can do, you know, that's that's a good thing to do, isn't it? That um so that you'll you'll get all the more pleasure from maybe having two different things if that's if that's what you fancy. Exactly. But stopping the first part or the first course soon enough. One more other habit that I've started from you and I, I recognise this one as well, is that when I watch television I can be mindlessly snacking on something. But having something to do with my hands, and I bought myself a colouring book, I use that when I'm yes. mindlessly watching television. It doesn't matter what I'm colouring within the lines. Yes. Keep my hands busy. Quite, quite. Because when that's the thing about television, isn't it? It's, it's, it's sort of absorbing, but it doesn't take all of our... Uh, it doesn't use all of our attention. And it's very easy to eat and watch at the same time. And... The, the thing then is that you're not enjoying, you're not experiencing the food nearly as well if you're also watching attention because you're splitting, you know, uh, very well-known um, uh, aspects of, of the way that our um, mental attention works is that if we are trying to divide our attention we can just about do do two things well we can do two things simultaneously we can watch tv and we can eat at the same time but what we don't do there usually is get the full experience of the eating it'll be a sort of you know in fact there's really interesting studies on um giving deliberately giving people stale popcorn to eat <gasps> when they're watching films and they eat loads of it because you know they don't they're not it's 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 the thing is to be uh there's the something about the eating is associated with watching the film but they're, they're not really registering how not terribly palatable that stale popcorn is that's really scary and that's worth knowing yeah. as well because that means that we don't get taken in by these marketing and these ploys yes. to get us to eat more. Yes. Oh, Helen, I, I yes. talk with you all day, but if you want to know more tips, please tell mm. us about how we can join your causes and when they start, because I know they're running in January. Sure. So the new course, which is, as I say, open to everybody, is, well, it's basically to, for anybody who um, wants to change their relationship with food, anybody who's unhappy with how they um, eat at present. There are four parts of the course, so it's, it runs at over um, four sessions. Each one is a morning, but they're all recorded, so it doesn't matter if you can't make it. They're all going to be on Friday mornings live. But if um, if any 
body, as many people can't do a regular Friday morning, then the recordings are, uh, you know, you can either attend live or you can watch the recordings or a mixture of the two and the recordings won't run out. So if you attend the course, then you can come back to the recordings at any point. And so there's four sessions. The first one is on basically it, it's it, everything about it is translating um, psychological techniques and behavioral science into things that are actually literally usable by anybody straight away. So the first session is about the behavioral science behind um, changing how you eat, but it's not very science. It's just saying that absolute uh, sort of um, nuggets of information that we get from behavioral science and how to put those into practice in terms of changing your eating habits. So the first one is how to change how you eat. The second one is how to eat in tune with your mind and your body because that all of this stuff about how our appetite systems work, how our hunger and fullness signals work, and how we can use those to um, eat much more in tune with our bodies is the, is the content of session two. And when we do eat in tune with our bodies, all sorts of benefits um, accrue. Like not just, you know, like I say, we can lose weight if we have been eating too much. We enjoy our food more if we eat when we're hungry. We um, gain all sorts of metabolic benefits or physiological benefits from uh, having gaps between meals and so on and so on. So it's how to eat in tune with your body and mind. Session three is all about how to overcome food cravings because there's really interesting psychological theories about food cravings and very practical um, techniques that I teach on I'll teach on that morning to do with how to what to actually do at the moment when you're faced with a craving how to understand it and what you can do in order to overcome it and the fourth session is on how to reduce emotional eating so many of us because food in like nowadays modern foods are often extremely palatable extremely pleasurable to eat and very easy to eat and extremely easy to overeat and what we often discover is many of us discover that if we eat particular types of food when we are feeling particular uncomfortable feelings the feelings change so we feel a bit better or we feel a bit less bad so that fourth session is about pra a practical well uh, uh, helping to understand a bit about how emotions, uh, what emotions are, and a, a really um, lovely uh, approach to altering what you do when you face those emotions. So, so discovering how to do something other than turn to food at those points. So it's how to reduce emotional eating. So those are the four different um, sessions and um the the cost is 30 pounds for each of those sessions but if you book all four together then it's 100 pounds for all four and that you know that includes all the um you'll get um the the sort of materials that go go with it fantastic and whereabouts can you book onto those courses the um if you it's it's the uh, there's an Eventbrite page to book through, but the best way to find that is to go onto my website, which is www.theappetitedoctor.co.uk. And at the top, 
of the homepage, there's a, uh, a button to book. It says book, but actually it's also, it also gives you all the details. So you can read much more about what's in each of the sessions. So if you click on that, and then if, if, if it's what you're looking for, then you can book through that Eventbrite link. And if you follow me on Twitter or Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook, then these details are there as well. So I'm the Appetite Doctor, Appetite underscore Doctor on Twitter, um, and that sort of name on all of them.